Welcome to the Win Daily Show. I got a special guest who's also in sunny California right now, Mark Pattison, Senior Vice President of Biz Development at Sports Illustrated. He's going to be the first NFL player to climb all seven summits of each continent. And he also hosts his own podcast, Finding a Summit. Mark, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on the pod. Appreciate your time, man. So I typically ask, as one of my first questions to most of my, my guests is, how do you suggest or how do you give advice to people who want to break into sports? But I feel like I have to ask you the opposite question. Since you're an ex-NFL athlete, how do you deal with your first love, which I'm assuming for you was football, and transitioning out of sports? Oh, man, that's a big question, right? And I, I, I think, uh, you know, when I go back now, I've been out of football for a long time. And as I think back, I, I just was, we all are attracted to doing different things, you know, as a kid, right? And there's no right or wrong. And certainly the times have changed where back when I was growing up, there wasn't really a whole lot of TV. There were more or less three stations that, to choose from. It wasn't cable. There wasn't uh, streaming. Uh, there weren't video games. And so I spent all the time out in the outdoors. I was on the playground. I grew up in Seattle, Washington, rainy all the time. I out there in a T-shirt. Uh, didn't know any better. First time I ever got on an airplane, my first recruiting trip, uh, University of Hawaii, nice. 18 years old. And, uh, you know, I just had that love of and the drive of constantly having a ball in my hands, whether it was shooting the basket, uh, you know, around the hoop or going out in the playground and, and, and coming up with four and four, three and three football. And somebody was the quarterback, somebody was the wide receiver. And, you know, that was my love and really – that, that drive um, has really not, never uh, gone away. Um, having been the, – the pyramid gets pretty steep, you know, the higher you get. And so when you, when you first start off in Little League when you're 8, 9, 10 years old, you know, you got everybody out there, and then you got the next level, the next level, and it keeps one by one. Keep, people keep piling off. And then you get into high school, and it gets a little steeper. And then in my case, I, I, I did well enough to get um, – uh, some attention from a number of schools around the country in Washington and we had a very successful run and of the 30 players or so there in my in my my class um, really per class per recruiting class as, as the numbers go really eight become your your starters uh, that they can depend on eight will become your backups and eight will will phase out of the program somehow whether it's grades or drugs or injury or something like that and so you know I was able somehow or another to climb that ladder and then and then I put myself in the right positions to then get invited to the combines and the combines then led to being drafted by the Raiders so I went down to the Raiders and somehow or another I stubbed my toe through you know five years in the NFL (laughs) And I was never a star, but I just kept grinding and grinding and in a lot of cases grinded harder than a lot of guys uh, that probably better than me. But it was that relentless spirit that kept me going. Now, when I came out of football, I mean, it was hard because I'd been doing the same thing competitively for 10, 12 years. And then you kind of drop off the cliff. Today, things are a lot better with the NFL because they have these programs called the trust. And so through the NFL legends, um, program they have set up uh, whether it's in educational um, uh, public speaking 
uh, gosh, there's a whole lot of things that are in there. And, and, and so they, they, they provide a, a, a successful exit strategy. So you're just not like, okay, what the hell do I do now? Right. And, and uh, I'm rambling on a little bit, but there's a tie to this whole thing, which is um, even though my football stopped, I never stopped working out. I kept at it every single day. And it was really my tonic towards helping me deal with um, the loss of football and what the hell was I going to do now? And um, so like working out all those problems in my mind, it really, really helped my way. And then, you know, it just, it's, it's continued on and eight years ago or so I, some stuff happened uh, going through a tough time and decided to put another big athletic goal out there and just transition what I'd kind of already been doing to something a little bit more intense and decided to take on this big goal of climbing the seven summits around the world. Yeah. So talk about that goal, man. Like I, I've been skiing. I'm not scared of heights, but I don't know if I ever put that on myself to climb one of those mountains. For you to go out there and say, you know what, I'm going to tackle all seven of them and seeing these stories of how grueling it is and the demand that you have to put forth to just even put yourself in a position to climb one of these places. What was that goal? Did you have a, a passion? Did your passion slide over to climbing or was it just, I got to do something that nobody's done before? What's really driven you to that point? Well, I think there was a combination of factors and we're talking right now, I'm in California, you're in New York. And, but at the time and growing up, um, I, I, I grew up in, as I mentioned, Seattle, Washington, and it's very mountainous community. And we've got a big ass mountain that kind of overlooks the whole entire state, Mount Rainier, 14,500, full of uh, crevasses and glaciers and everything. And, and it, it's, if you can think of it like a mini Mount Everest, and there were many famous climbers that came out of, of the state of Washington that I grew up with kind of idolizing and I always like looked up to those, those types of people. And when I was going through a tough time uh, nine years ago or so, um, I was just like, you know what, I don't, I don't know what I need to do, but to, to get unstuck from the, the place I'm in today, I need to have some big goal. And, and, and you know, my personality isn't set where I'm going to go, you know, like try to create time travel or something. Um, I needed to do something athletic because that's what, you know, where, where my first passion is. And I was just, I started thinking about it and I was like, from, I'm from the state. I always admire these guys. And, you know, I wonder if any NFL guy has ever climbed the seven summits and the answer was no. And so um, I started to devise a plan and I called some people who were in the mountaineering business and they helped me create and form a plan of how this would go. And, uh, you know, I think my one thing that I didn't think about in my head is like, okay, this is how it's going to work. And it's just like for every year, there's going to be a mountain. I've actually climbed Kilimanjaro now twice. Um, and I've been on Denali, which is up in Alaska twice, one successfully, one not, we were pushed back by 80 minus 80 degree weather. And I didn't, I didn't factor in the mother nature. And then of course this year, going back to, I don't know what you want to call this thing, uh, COVID-19, yeah. it's not mother nature, but this, this, this random act of disease pandemic that has spread across the world. Um, I was set to leave on March 31st and, uh, and the world shut down and uh, the climb got shut down. And so I pushed all that out to next year, but it's been quite the journey and I would have never imagined all the gifts that have come my way with really having nothing to do with summiting those uh, six mountains that I've been on. Yeah, similar. Listen, I, I haven't climbed any mountains, but 
I was in a place where I was working at a consulting job and my wife said, you know what, you should write a book. And I'm like, I don't know anything about writing books. Why the hell should I write a book? And going into it after I made the decision to do it, I didn't have a plan. I, I didn't say, you know what, I want to write this book. Then I want to do this, that, and that. I just said, you know, let me do that, step out of my own comfort zone, and then let me see what comes next and plan accordingly once opportunities start presenting itself. And I think when you have a passion and you have a plan, other things will arise and then new opportunities, you'll, you'll put yourself in an opportunity that you'll like to, you know, achieve and now move forward with that. Climbing these mountains, they're like, how do you mentally prepare? There's a physical preparation, but the mental you know, aspect of it, it's got to be like nothing else, climbing a mountain, dealing with weather and dealing with thinking on your feet because I'm sure every time you get to a certain position, there's obstacles that come up that you don't plan for. So how do you, how do you apply that to life and how have you been able to you know, dodge those bullets on these summits? Good question. And I think the, the first thing, and again, everything I'm saying really is metaphorical to life on yeah. the way that anybody can take whatever I'm saying today and apply that to, to their own circumstance, because it really has nothing to do with mountains, but it is a way that I believe is a healthy way towards attacking life and making sure that you don't get run over and that you take things on and take them on in the right way. I personally don't believe that you can be mentally tough because we all go through uh, turbulent times. We all go to through challenges. And the question is when that zigzag, when that thing hits you, you know, what are you going to do about it? For me personally, I believe that you, to, in order to be mentally strong, you need to be physically strong. Um, one of the things that I did is in addition, when I was living in California, I'd moved from, from Seattle down to California. And uh, this is a few years back is I decided like, like if I'm going to be all in and, and go for this goal, I'm going to be all in. And so I literally uh, picked myself up, bought a home in Sun Valley, Idaho. It's a small ski town um, in the middle of the state, and it's at 6,000 feet. And so at 6,000 feet, um, you know, it gets a lot colder uh, than a lot of places, and it stays that way for an extended period of time, lots of snow, lots of crazy weather. And so I wanted to put myself in very tough physical um, environment where I could be dealing with blizzards and you know, minus degree temperature and, and all the things that come with that. Um, that was one. Two is I spend a lot of time. I mean, like, but before I, I came out here, we're talking on, on the 5th of March, whenever the or 5th of May, whenever this is going to run. But prior to me coming out in, in, uh, in March, so the first part of the year, I'd put in about 120,000 vertical feet. So what that meant is every night I literally was putting on skis on my feet and something that they call skin essentially you're hiking up a mountain on skis yeah. and it's, it's set in a way where you don't fall back and then you rip off these skins and you can ski down at the end. But you know, if you can imagine uh, going from 6,000 feet to 10,000 feet every single night and just making your way, I'm up there with the headlamp, it's dark, it's cold. You know, you're looking around, the wind is blowing. And again, that puts you in a better place. And then the other part of that is there's no, there's no substitute for experience, right? So, when I, when I had lined up this game plan of how I was going to take on, I didn't decide to take on Mount Everest first. Of course, Mount Everest would be last. The mountain I took on was something that, that you know, with Mount Kilimanjaro, um, it's the highest uh, mountain in the world from, from floor level to ceiling, 19,333 feet. Mount Everest is the highest mountain, but you start a lot higher, right? 
So that gap um, down in Kilimanjaro, you know, could I actually handle the altitude and going through all that. And then the next mountain I was in, in, uh, I was in Europe, I was in Russia, you know, craziness going to Russia, planes, trains, and automobiles just to get to this crazy mountain, Mount Everest. And then we got up there and we got in a lightning storm and lightning struck, it hit somebody, somebody died in the group. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, that's the reality of the mountain, man. And you gotta be prepared. And then off I went down to Australia the next year and they climbed that mountain. And then I went down to Argentina. There's a mountain down there called uh, Mount Aconcagua. And it's at 23,000 feet, just under. And, you know, the question is now I've been to 19,000. Can I go to 23? And I got other people, you know, we started with 12 people in our climbing group. And of the 12, um, uh, only six made it. And so... It's just like, you know, the, the, the strong continue to go and the weak, you know, peel off. And, and a lot of it really had to do, there's, there was a couple of circumstances where people, their, their physiological part of them just wasn't up for the, um, the task. They just weren't built to be in high altitude. But then there was another group that just hadn't done the work, you know, going to your gym, jumping on a Stairmaster is not, is not the same. No. And so, so getting back to like, how do you, when you, how do you deal with these tough situations when they come up? Um, the, 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 the times on Denali, when I've been on a 45 degree wall, ice wall, and, and this, this, um, this Taiwanese guy laid down and says, I quit, which put us in jeopardy of everybody else of going down, which meant we had to carry him and carry his, his backpack. Every, every one of those types of circumstances that I've been in, trying to pull people over crevasses and out of crevasses. They shouldn't have been on the mountain in the first place. They weren't prepared. They hadn't done the work. They didn't love the process. And as a result, they didn't, they not only did they not make it, but they put everybody else in, in jeopardy. Yeah. It's crazy, man. When, when watching the movies or documentaries on climbers, I myself, I'm like, why would they want to put them, put themselves through this kind of agony and potential, death and everything else and i also remember you know reading david goggins book and it's just the guy would just push himself and push himself to to reach these points and you know after reading the book and understanding why he does it and something that i took away from it is like mentally you have a restriction plate you know a restrictor on your your mental capacity and every time you break through it and your body achieves this you know milestone and they you climb something now a rainy day looks like nothing. A sprained ankle looks like nothing. And you create this, you know, mindset that you can shake off little defeats because, look, I've been through so much worse at the top of all these mounds. I've been through so much worse in boot camp and hell week in the army and the Marines that it makes you mentally tougher, physically tougher, and you're able to deal with stressful situations a lot simpler than the average person. So I still give you a lot of credit, man. I, I would love to train. I would love to do stuff. and I'm very competitive, but I don't know, man. Everest is something that mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know if it's fear or just I'm not up for the challenge, but it's definitely well, a challenge, and I, I'm excited to see your journey up there. And, you know, maybe it's a blessing in disguise that you got this little delay, you know, maybe some extra training, whatever the case may be, but I think you're going to do it. You know, you've done all the other ones before. What was – What's the next goal once you do Everest? Like once Everest is done, how do you go higher than that? And what's your next goal? Do you have it already? Or are you waiting till this finishes out first? 
Yeah. Well, let me, let me go back and put a bow on what you were just talking about. So, you know, one of the things that I like to focus on is every year they say roughly 3% of the total climbers that go to Everest die, right? That's yeah. just a fact. It happens, yeah. happens every year. Uh, it happened last year with my tent mate from Antarctica. I was in uh, coming to mountain in, in Antarctica called Mount Benson. And there was a guy that was down that was, again, my tent mate that wasn't prepared. And there's a whole backstory behind that, but shouldn't have been on even on that mountain. And five months later, he was going to Mount Everest. And he was one of those guys that got caught in that line and got to the very top, raised his hand, fell over and died. He's still up on, on Mount Everest. But, you know, again, I tend to think and try to really focus on the 96, the 97% of the things that I can do to shrink those odds. So what are those things? Wearing the right equipment, um, having the right kind of fuel, the nutrition, um, wearing the right kind of stuff, training like an animal to make sure I put myself that when these tough, like when I need to really dig down deep, like Goggins you're talking about, yeah. um, that you have some extra little pool that you can pull out and go, you know what, this isn't it. I'm going to make it through. I just got to get myself to this point. And there's so many times when I've seen both in sport and on the mountains, when people start to give up and they just don't understand Like if you can just get from this line to that line, and it might be the matter of a couple of hours or something, you can get through this and, and you're going to come out better on the other side. And, and so I don't know, for me, that's where I really tend to, to focus on. I put in the work. There's nobody on the mountain that's more prepared than me. Um, but that doesn't mean that everybody else on the mountain can't be as prepared than me. They just don't understand what really putting in the work and going to, to a place that is super uncomfortable with, with what they have never gone through to really put your mind and your body through that, through that physical and mental stress. Yeah, and it's remarkable that, you know, I watch the movies, you know, the documentaries and movies about climbing, and it's, it's typically, it's not only are you prepared, how do you go about, you know, because in this case, I'm assuming it's not like free agency where you don't know what teammates you get. You're, are you molding your team? And how do you make sure? Because it's always that one person that, you know, maybe is not prepared and makes a, a bad decision on the mountain that puts everybody in life's in jeopardy. What, what defines a good leader? And then what defines a good team? And when you set up for something big like this, how do you pick and choose who goes on that, on that mountain with you? Man, that is a phenomenal question, and that's the one thing that's driven me absolutely batshit crazy since I started this whole thing, right? Yeah. And for this reason, is that you don't have any control over who, who you pick as your teammate. And usually part of the – I think part of the adventure of it is that you get personalities from all over the world that come together, usually in a group of 10 to 12, and uh, everybody has a different purpose, a different drive. Uh, a different reason why they're on that particular mountain, but everybody trains and comes at it completely different. Uh, the first night when everybody arrives, everybody's cool and happy and excited about just that, like the uh, movies, <laughs> just like the movies. And you're sitting in the bar and you're drinking beers and you know, there's a lot of bravado and about day three, when you start to really dig in, you see oh, kind of yeah. who the, the, the root, yeah, the true players are. And, um, and, and, and that has probably been my worst enemy so far. Um, is having people like I train, but I can only go as fast as the, the weakest link, yeah. right? And so, and that's what's really tied me up. So on on Everest, um, I'm going with a guy that has literally been on top of Mount Everest ten times. And Good partner. <laughs> it, yep, he's he's been on. So I've got he and I've got a, a, a bunch of Sherpas. 
that will be with me. We'll have a team, a total team of about 76 people supporting us, um, the effort to make it up and make it back in a safe way. Uh, and, and, um, and so, you know, I've got my fingers crossed. Mount Everest is a little bit different than other mountains because there's something called fixed lines. And so I'm, I'm, I'm fixed to not necessarily another person. I'm fixed to these lines. And that's a big difference. So I'm not having, like I've had to do in the past, like pull people up the mountain, you know, that are, that are attached to me, that they're tethered to my rope, then I'm pulling them. And it, it's an awful place to be. So um, that's one of the reasons why I was really excited. And, and, you know, in Garrett Madison, who's the leader, the expedition leader, who's done this now a number of times, you know, I put, I'm also putting a lot of faith into him, that his selection process are picking those that can actually pull this off and do this big achievement. And, and so I want to go back and answer another question that you asked prior. And that is, you know, do you have any goals, you know, after, after Everest? And what I'm, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm doing kind of two things. One, you know, I'm, I'm trying to become the first NFL player to climb the seven summits, which obviously includes Everest, which I've not done. I'm also going to throw in another mountain called Lhotse, which is the fourth highest mountain in the world, which sits in this saddle. When you come off the top from Everest, um, there's a way that you can go back up and attack this other mountain. And so I'm going to, my, my attempt is to not only summit Mount Everest, but also go for Lhotse, the fourth highest mountain, all within 24 hours of each other. There's only a handful of people in the world who've done that. And, um, you know, that just means that my, my training, man, I'm going to have to take it to a whole another yeah. level. That's crazy. So you're going to climb up Everest, come down, and then go right back up another mountain? Go back up Lhotse. Yeah, see, like, selection process is really important because you want somebody crazy enough with these kind of goals but also with the structure and routine that you have as well to be prepared. And it's gotta be scary to, to go at this thing and not know who, like you said it, you, you go batshit crazy. Cause I, I'd want like, I want the toughest guys who are also the most loyal and strength. And you want all the qualities of the best of the best of the best. And you're going into it semi blind. I never knew that. I felt like you can pick almost your entire team you know, knowing that this is a massive challenge with life on the line. And yeah, I'd be going batshit crazy too, man. So I'm well, with you on that one, man. Yeah. There's a couple guys out there, uh, uh, in the climbing world. I, I'm going to, I'm going to say some names that you or your audience may not know. Um, and I, I would equate these guys to kind of like the Michael Jordans of climbing, okay. but there's a guy named Conrad anchor, a guy named Jimmy. Ch Call Maru, just really amazing movie. Jimmy Chin did uh, Free Solo. Um, he's the one, the filmmaker behind that crazy movie that came out about climbing El Capitan, uh, you know, without a rope. Um, and and uh, another guy named Ed Vesters. And, and guys like that who are sponsored by companies like North Face are in a position to do that, to, to, to put together their own little team. Mm -hmm. And so they've got a bunch of little rock stars that they know that all the things you said about loyalty, trust, drive, um, match energy, you know, mentally tough, physically tough, all those things. They have their own little groups and they go off and they do those types of expeditions. But I'm just not in that position. I'm not sponsored by, you know, big brands like that to go, you know, step away from my Sports Illustrated duties and just go climb around the world all the time. This is funded by me and uh, I love doing it. It's been really rewarding. But, you know, the consequence of that is that I get mixed in with these other people. and It's a wild card and, you know, knock on wood, you know, I, I've, I'm putting my trust in our leader, Garrett Madison, 
that he has selected the right type of people that will match my energy when I'm on that mountain. Nice. So now's going to be my next question. You already got to it. Like, what is, what is Sports Illustrated, you know, having their, you know, senior vice president to say, hey, you know, I'm going to try my best to be back in a couple of days. How does that whole work into your situation? And what is your normal routine? How do you come off climbing Mount Everest and then go into, you know, a position at Sports Illustrated? Well, uh, yeah, so kind of really long story short, but I have been with our, our CEO now for the last 10 years nice. and worked at some different companies with, with him. Um, the last one was uh, a company called scout.com. It was a college uh, aggregating site. We could read all about your favorite team and high school recruiting. And then we started another company called Maven three and a half years ago. And about six months ago, we were in a position to um, take over Sports Illustrated, which we did for the next hundred years. And, and so part of the deal, um, going back with the CEO, um, was that, you know, in, 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 in the agreement being, uh, in addition to the wages, the salary that they pay me for the work that I do, which seems like it never ends, um, I also get my once a year go climb. And nice. some of these climbs have been, you know, 10 days. Some of them have been 21 days. Mount Everest will be two months. And that's a long time for anybody to take off, but it's just part of the arrangement that I have with SI. Everything was teed up to make that transition while I'm gone for people to fill in for me during that gap. And again, at the end of the day, it all blew up. So the exact same thing will happen next year, 10 months from now <laughs> in March when I take off and I'll have, I, I have an assistant that will, that will fill in for me during that time. And then I'll come back and just, um, you know, try to recover and get back to work, you know, ASAP. It's a good question. Now I got to something that's popped up, man. What is the recovery coming off one of these mountains you have? I guess you would have the high of achieving a massive goal and then you'd have to get back into reality. Kind of like we're coming off quarantine, being really lazy, or a lot of people have been just loafing around watching Netflix and then doing the opposite, going right back into a full paced work week. But how is it coming off a mountain and blending back into reality? Um, yeah, so every every mountain has been a little bit different for me. Um, when I was in, uh, I think when I was down in Argentina, I lost 10 pounds um, and I was a little beat up. Uh, when I was in uh, on Denali, um, Denali is a hard mountain up in Alaska because you're also carrying 140 pounds um, of weight uh, on your back and on a sled up the mountain. And it's really, really difficult that way. I lost 17 pounds. Yeah. My feet were all beat up. And, um, you know, it took me a couple of weeks. A lot of people said, you know, Mark, don't take this personally, but you look like shit. So, <laughs> and so you know, it just is what it is. And um, But, you know, every mountain's a little bit different. And, you know, that's where this whole thing called self-care comes, comes back and making sure you have the right fluids and you're not dehydrated and all these other things. And I've had to learn that. I didn't. I wouldn't say that's something that I knew exactly how to go about doing all that, you know, immediately. And so, you know, I, I feel like I've, I've, my game has improved in those other areas that aren't so obvious so that when I come off, I'm in better shape than when I've come, I'm off. So I'm sure, you know, trying to get my weight back and, and whatever else is beat up, you know, wind burn and everything else will, will be a couple of weeks, but you know, I'm going to get right back to work when I come back. I, I, you know, the best tonic for me again is, is, is moving. Nice man. So let me ask you my last question of the day. 
you know, Wind Daily, we have a whole content site that's, you know, really formed around sports, daily fantasy sports, sports betting. Now we're getting into esports. But to me, it's more of a mindset to get these small victories throughout the whole entire day, a lifestyle brand that's going to morph into down the road. Uh, right now, we're focused in this one niche. But what's the daily mindset that you have every day that made you so successful, been able to transition from Sports Illustrated to your own podcast, NFL, Climbing Mountains? What's something that the listeners can, can take from this on top of everything else you dropped on us? But that daily routine that you have that's been allowing you to just kill it? It's really simple, and it's, it's really uh, – I've actually made a, a little model of this called the Seven Summits of Success, and it's really a derivative of John Wooden's Pyramid of Success. And, and really what it is, is is understanding a goal, what you want to do, having daily discipline, writing those things down, attacking it at full speed, you know, leveraging yourself in the best way and in the smart way on how you can take that on. Um, you can take things on in, in, in a little – bits and pieces. I think for me, it's, it's waking up every morning, putting my feet on the floor at the exact time, going to bed at an exact time, um, going out first thing in the morning, working out, making sure I get those pistons firing, full my head full of positivity on podcasts, audio tapes, um, and then dig into whatever. And if you don't know it, then find out. Uh, I, was, I was just talking on another podcast recently about, about preparation meets opportunity. So if there are certain things that you don't know, what a great time in life. You've got this little friend called Google. You can type in anything that you want to type in. Like, how do I grow my social media? How do I grow my Twitter, my Facebook? How do I do this? How do I do that? And all the answers are right there, right at your fingertips. But you got to take that action, that step forward, because action creates reaction. And, And what I see so often, you mentioned this a little earlier about, you know, this time, this, this COVID time, uh, a lot of people have have, um, have have slacked off a little bit, you know, for good reason. And I'm not I'm not abusing anybody for 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 doing this, but there's just been a lot of you know Netflix stock is way up, and you know a lot of streaming and downloads, and that's great. And there's a time and place for that, but it's also putting in the time to learning some new skill, some new craft. But the, what's worked for me, and and I, I'm really not that extraordinary. Um, I'm really just an ordinary guy trying to do extraordinary things, but every single day I am just disciplined about waking up and repeat, you know, step and repeat, step and repeat and making sure that I work towards a goal. And like, I have a podcast like you, I've done 175 episodes. I've got three months more, you know, I've never made a penny off my podcast. Right. And, and I don't do it for that reason. And in and, and my workouts, you know, I'm climbing all over the world and I have an audience of over 400,000 and that's awesome and everything. But these climbs that cost me to go, nobody pays me to go, North Face doesn't pay me to go climb Mount Everest, right? And so, um, but that, it's not about that. And, and so it, it's doing things for the right reasons and making sure that you have a really strong why on, on when things get a little tough, that you don't quit and you don't fold the tent because you weren't really in 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 all the way when you first started it can't just be the you know you think about the glory you got to think you know why are you doing this if you have true love then you won't quit no i agree like the more i talk to successful people like yourself almost everyone starts with that that start you know the start every day process whether it's meditating first or working out first or getting that proper fuel in your system first that regimented schedule of every day every day 
And I also think I take it from a lot of different mentors that I have. It's you got to understand the journey is not just one day or one week or one month. Everybody's into this immediate gratification that if they don't see results in their social media following or they don't get enough likes or a, you know, they get benched by a coach, you know, there's so much, it's like a softer type of, you know, beast that people are dealing with. Now I remember, you know, getting cut from teams and having to try out the next year and it's built me tougher. And I'm sure you've dealt, you've dealt the same thing playing the NFL and coming off an NFL career, knowing that, you know what, I was the best in my town, best in my college, but the NFL game's a whole nother beast. And it's that pursuit and that journey of everyday, you know, life that people take for granted and, you know, don't show gratitude to, to just being able to wake up the next day. And I'm sure you coming off the mountain, knowing that you lost somebody, that kind of just puts it right there into reality that, hey, I'm grateful. I'm not going to waste another day. The next day I'm going to go out there and work even harder, be more prepared. And, you know, I've learned a lot from this conversation. I hope everybody else learned a lot from the conversation as well. I appreciate your time, brother. I wish you the best of luck. I know you're going to get up that seventh mountain and then crazy like you are, you're going to go back down and go back up and you're going to do the eighth mountain. So, you know, hopefully maybe North Face will pick you up as a sponsor on the way back up or something like that. It's but either good. way, man, you're all good. Like you said, it's, it's, it's a fun process talking to you. Um, and I wish you the best and hopefully you keep training and do what you got to do and get up there soon, man. Yeah. Well, one last thing for you then you got to promise me that we're going to redo this pod again in June of 2021 after I come off the top, Let's do it, man. knock on wood successfully Mount Everest. And we can talk about how tough that was to get up and down safely. I'm down. I got to figure out a goal in between. I'm going to send you an email in between so I can have like a lofty goal. Nowhere as high as your goal, but something that's personal to me that's going to drive me a little bit harder. I just want to simply cut 10 pounds. I want to cut 10 pounds and start working out a little bit more. So if you got any advice like that, just shoot me an email. I'm sure you got some tips to get me back in the gym. Well, it's pretty simple. Put, put Mount, Mount uh, Washington, uh, as your goal and that's going to drive you hard that's a tough mountain i've heard i haven't been on it but uh i hear great things about it and uh like all these things put a big goal out there and start working towards it all right man i appreciate your time i'll talk to you soon brother all right thank you so much <laughs>